the kid that I put the most blood, sweat, and tears are the ones that still go go to juvenile like I did. And most of those kids, not even bad kids, it's just the environment. Like, and that's no excuse because we still make our own decisions. But, and one thing I've learned is just like, I've ran into so many kids like I was. And the hardest thing I think I've had to do is try to coach the me out of a kid. The hardest thing you've had to do is try to coach the you out of the kids. Yes, sir. Because you recognized it from your past. Right. And I had, I've had kids to walk off the field, throw the hip, call me B's and H's. And like, literally, I've had to experience the same thing that I was taking people through. Welcome to an army of normal folks. I'm Bill Courtney. I'm a normal guy. I'm a husband, a father, or an entrepreneur. And I'm a football coach in inner city Memphis. And the last part unintentionally led to an Oscar for the film about our team. It's called Undefeated. I believe our country's problems will never be solved by a bunch of fancy people in nice suits using big words that nobody understands on CNN and Fox, but rather by an army of normal folks, us, just you and me seeing a need and saying, hey, I can help. That's what Chavis Daniels, the voice we just heard has done. And I know this guest all too well because Chavis played on my football team at Manassas and like me was one of the accidental stars in Undefeated. But that's not why he's on the podcast. Chavis has gone on to mentor over a thousand kids in his organization that he founded, the North Memphis Steelers, and is even back to coaching football at his alma mater, Manassas High School. I could not be prouder of Chavis, and I can't wait for you to hear from him right after these brief messages from our generous sponsors. Hey everybody, I uh, recently heard that this thing called Mint Mobile's offering premium wireless starting at 15 bucks a month. And I thought, nah, no way. Um, you know, everybody puts out these catchphrases about this or that or the other, but you know, 15 bucks a month for mobile, I just didn't buy it. Um, and then I talked to these guys and it all makes sense. Um, there isn't a catch. Uh, Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service just online, which means they cut out the cost of retail stores and they pass those savings on to you, which I think is cool. But then you think, okay, 15 bucks a month sell service, well, you know, fine, but you're probably not going to get service everywhere. And well, guess what? All plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data and it's delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can choose from three, six, or 12-month plans and say goodbye to monthly phone bills and overpriced packages. And you get the best rate, whether you're buying for one or a family. At Mint, families just start at two lines. The other thing is you can use your own phone. All you got to do is take your phone and your phone number with any Mint Mobile plan. You keep your same number along with your existing contacts. Uh, you can switch to Mint Mobile and get your first three months of premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. Guys, the service is great. It's inexpensive. There's no catch. They're cutting out the middleman and passing the savings on directly to you. 
and you know it's finally some way for you to save a little bit of money on your on your mobile service so at mint mobile to get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free go to mintmobile.com folks that's mintmobile.com folks cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com folks Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Y'all need to give it a shot. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Chavis Daniels, what's up, brother? What's up, coach? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I can't complain, Coach. Good. That's a uh, that's a big difference from when you were a junior in high school. All you did was complain. Yeah, I did. I agree. <laughs> I did. I agree. For I our agree. listeners, this uh, this will this particular guest will be one that I'm intimately familiar with and extraordinarily proud of. And um, Chavis Daniels was a former football player of mine who was one of the individuals highlighted in the movie Undefeated, which um, kind of chronicled the time that we spent together. But really, that's not what we're here to talk about. Chavis started an organization called the North Memphis Steelers, and we're going to get into that and hopefully inspire some of you with things that you can do to be a part of the Army of Normal Folks. But first, Chavis, where'd you come from, man? Tell me about growing up. Tell me about little... Ugly Chavis. <laughs> um, I kind I'm, I'm, I can't, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. Came from um, Lavonda Shea Cobb. This is my mom. My mo- my dad is um, Michael Daniels. Grew up mostly in North Memphis area, but we moved out to Fraser and Raleigh over a period of time. But my whole family grew up in North Memphis, so I was very familiar with most of the people that was just in North Memphis. So Chavis is a native Memphian, and for those who don't know the area. North Memphis is actually inside the city limits as well as Fraser and Raleigh, right. but they're areas of Memphis. And if you think of Memphis, 
as city center downtown. The farther north you go, you go north Memphis, then you go Fraser, then to Raleigh. And so north Memphis is a community, really, that encompasses Raleigh and Fraser. It's all north Memphis. Mm -hmm. And then you have south Memphis, east Memphis, and then west Memphis is actually in Arkansas. So you're a, a north Memphis guy. Right. And um, was your dad ever in the home? Uh, no, my dad was never in the home. No, not really until like my 12th grade year when he found that I was uh, maybe in a movie. So he came around. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that, not exactly the father experience that some of us hope for, I guess. Right. I, I agree, but uh, no, it's, no, no bad blood at all. And I don't hold grudges. So as I, as I grew older, I just learned to accept the uh, situation for what it was and forgiveness as well because I know there's two sides to every coin. Javis, I met you in ninth grade. Right. When you showed up and uh, here was this contemptuous, back then skinny, young, (laughs) fast, but very athletic kid playing linebacker for me. And it took me a while to figure you out, but you were, you weren't disrespectful, but you were always edgy uh, and a little angry. Yeah, and then I, one thing I can say is growing up, that my, um, I, I kind of grew up with my grandmother and my mom as well. And one thing they did teach me was uh, good etiquette and uh, respect. I, I, and, and, it's, and maybe sometimes I didn't apply what I was taught, but <laughs> I, I, my, you think my, sometimes maybe you didn't? Oh yeah, I know I did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, one thing my mom, I can't say my mom and my grandmother did was teach me good etiquette. Like I'm 29 years old now, and I still yes sir, yes ma'am, and I I feel like there's just something that I carried on. Even so the I, seed was planted, right? Yes sir, and I always tell people that I was raised right. I just did wrong on my own. Whatever I did on my um, whatever I did wrong, I did it because I wanted to do it. So I know you're not often comfortable talking about what I'm about to ask you right. about, and I understand why. Right. It's not the your proudest achievement in life, right. but this is an army of normal folks, and mm-hmm. normal folks struggle. Right. Normal folks have challenges and have to overcome obstacles and Life is tough, and we make mistakes, and it's the response to those mistakes more than the mistakes themselves that typically define the man. And I think one of the most defining moments in your life is when you're arrested. Yes, sir. And I know it's not easy to talk about, and I I know sometimes when I've heard you asked about it, you say, yeah, that happened, and glance over it. But um, I think it's a defining moment in you. So. Tell me about that night, who are you with, why, what you were doing, and what happened. It was my ninth grade year. I think I was starting for the first. No, I don't think I started. I don't really remember. No, you started. I, th- I think you, I started. It was week five, and you started BTW'd. against BTW right. and had nine tackles. And it was then I decided this cat is not only an interesting kid, he's a hell of a football player, right. was pretty excited about you. And then I didn't see you no more. Right. So what uh, happened? So when um did Friday night I got my first start and I feel like I did it good and it was it was a great feeling. But um uh, after that night, just being honest, I I was in I mean I've been in the gang since I was fourteen years old. So okay. uh rolling twenties crib, like the same thing like Snoop Dogg is. But yeah. I I I I would join Crip when I was fourteen years old. Let me ask you something before we get to the story. I got you. 
You got a mom. I know your mama. Right. She loves you. Yes, man. I'm talking about would would die for you. Yeah, when loves I you. Well, Lavonda Shea loves Shavis. Yes. And and so you had that at home and you had a grandmama that loved you right. and they taught you right from wrong. Why did you feel the need to join a gang? I mean, a lot of people that listen to this think that only bad kids join gangs or they think that gangs are a surrogate for not having people that love them at home. I mean, that's right. a popular narrative in our country that gangs fill a void for children who have nobody that loves them. But right. that ain't you, man. Right. And I was, and then one thing about me, I've, I've always been like the leader. I didn't join a gang because I didn't. I want love at home. I ain't joined a gang because I wanted to fill a void. I, I joined the gang because that's what I wanted to do, and I'm. I, and just accept responsibility for the fact that I wanted to join the gang. And but why? Was it cool most of, in your neighborhood? Yeah, it was cool, and most of the people that was in my neighborhood were a part of it. I joined the gang when I was in eighth grade. Eighth grade. Uh, all right, and so one thing to set this up, 14 years old, eighth grade, but there's members of that same gang that you're running with that are how old? Um, 18, 19. You you realize a nineteen year old and a fourteen year old ain't got no business hanging out, right? I I agree, and but that's what the that's what that culture is, right? And that's and that's what was going on. So I started there Friday, Saturday I think I stayed at home all day. This Sunday, well, we went out to play football for a minute, and after we got through playing football, we we all got in the same car. Who we are? Like four or five? It was like four of us, and. We were driving and the tags was out. And my friends that I was in the car with, well, I don't even call them friends. My associates that I was in the car with, um, they had, that was in position of drugs. What, what, hold up. What were the ages of the people in the car? You 14? I was 14. I think it was 14, 16, 17, and 19. So you were the youngest. I was the I was the youngest. But because you are you and right. trying to be cool and everything else, right. you gonna ride. Yes, sir. This is this exactly what I was doing, and I was feeling cool. My my friend had his own car. Like I said, the t- the tags was expired. We was riding around, and um, they had they was in positions of a uh, handgun. I think like a an ounce of marijuana. It was three handguns. Three handguns. I'm the only one that didn't have a gun, but. And our culture is called snitching if you uh, say this is not mine, and uh, you know, don't, and don't, and then, and then, honestly, nobody admitted to whose guns and stuff it was. So we all, so it's got guilty by association. Okay, so these gangs are supposed to be your brother, right. knowing you're a 14 year old kid, right? And knowing you ain't got nothing to do with the guns. Right. But none of them stood up for you. No, not at all. Not one time. And I'm going to be honest, like, since that, since that period of time, none of those guys I've really talked to again. Yeah, uh, these I, people that you swear no to and your brothers and right. always got your back. Right. So I They went, let you go down as a 14-year-old. Right. And you don't even hang out with them no more. Right. And so I went to uh, Wilder is Young. You went where? Wilder is young. This um the youth penitentiary in Whiteville. And this uh, where's Whiteville? Whiteville, Tennessee. Yeah, where's that? 
kind of way like, out near Nashville, somewhere. right? Like a little bit before Nashville. So at fourteen years old, you shipped all the way from the only place you know, right? To Wilder Israel. It's one of the toughest youth facilities in in the country. What happened to the other guys? We all got the same thing. I got. I think I was initially supposed to do like nine months, but I was. Uh, I had to put on this persona when I was in Wilder that I was tough. So I ended up going into focus and I got critical and critical is like going to the hole or you know, focus is just going into the hole and you just focus is on what we doing fighting, fighting, still running with the gangs. So I, I initially supposed to did nine, but I think I went in critical for like three months. And then when I got out, I think I got in trouble again. And so they added another three months. So it was like six months plus nine. So I missed two birthdays. Two Christmases. Two Christmases. And my birthday in January, so I had just like, yeah, I missed the Christmas. So what about these other guys, though? I'm curious. Did they, well, yeah. one of them was 19. He was right, so he, so he, and he was a felon. Uh, so I know with felon with a gun, I think that's an automatic 10 years. Like I said, Coach, I really haven't kept up with those guys like that, you know, so. like, And then, because I, I know that, this is not the direction I'm trying to go again, so I just surround myself with a different. So this is in the fall because it's right. football August, season, right. and you got 15 months, so you lost the rest of your freshman year For, and, and all your sophomore year yeah. and a little piece of your junior year. Oh uh, no, I think I was. I oh, right at the, that's right. So I came back the end of I came to Manassas, the end of 10th grade. All right, tell me about the atmosphere in a youth detention facility. Are they? rehabbing you are you learning anything are they teaching anything are your studies getting handled do you really go to school or are you just becoming angrier i i think it's kind of everything because we did go to school we had like regular school hours it's kind of like it's kind of like what people say it is but it, it to me i kind of at the end of my time i kind of minded my business so I really wasn't getting involved with all the stuff that was yeah, going on. Enough three months added on. Right, yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, and, and then with me, it was still like me surrounding myself with those type of people that that had me in those type of situations. And like they say the food was what they say it was. The gang culture is what they say it is. You gotta be a part of something. If you're not, you just like you like pray. And even in a youth facility. And like I said, it not one day of fun. One thing I did learn was it's cool to be to yourself. You you avoid so much other stuff when you when you just stand to yourself. And when we was there, it was just like you either come in here to rehab or you're gonna be here for a long time. You either come in here and do the right thing and to rehabilitate from whatever you did. Or you're going to get time added or you're going to get involved in something that's guaranteed. One thing I wish I would have done different was come in focused on the reason I'm here and not getting involved with everything that was going on around. Still trying to be a part of the gang. But the gang's still in there. Oh, yeah. That's where they at. That's where, that's where most of them at. And then when you got to think about it, if you're not in the gang, when you go, more than likely, you're gonna, you got like, to be a part of something. Because if you left out is it dangerous for you right yes you gotta be a part of something especially like to be honest like black people we more against each other 
when Mexican come in, we you welcome. You gonna we're gonna make sure you protect it. We're gonna make sure you got food. We're gonna make sure you do everything. But when black people come in, it's just like we against each other. And that's what make it like more dangerous because everybody wanna be tough, everybody wanna be hard. Hard, everybody wanna be everybody looking for I don't know, love or clout. I don't know. I, I can't I can't explain it, but it's just different. It's way different. We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So you do your time, you get your time added on for fighting and mess around. You finally, you finally got enough of that. Right. You straighten up. Yes, sir. And you come out and I know your mama's happy to have you out. Yeah, my mom, uh, I was, I was down there like two and a half hours away. My mom never missed a weekend. Every weekend my mom was, was there. Crying. Every every weekend. Tell me the truth, Chavis. When you were in there, and it was just you and you in a pillow somewhere, and after you saw your mom, did you get emotional? Man, I was emotional in front of her, just crying. Yeah, and I, I, I had got to the point where I was just telling her like, "Don't come, don't come see me." Why? Because um, the outside the outside things make the time harder. Thinking about the outside things, they this is what they say: you can't do time with. BS on your mind. <laughs> really? <Is laughs> that's what that they right? say. Yeah, that's because it hurts you. Yes, especially after a phone call. 
the phone calls was the worst. Were you disappointing yourself? Yes, sir. Absolutely. And I was disappointed because I feel like I let um, my mom down, and I, because I my mom always been like high expectations. She always held me accountable, and I feel like I really just disappointed her and my grandmother, especially knowing like how like. My mom came to one football game, and I think I scored like four touchdowns. And I was out there hit, getting big hits, and she didn't even know that I knew how to play football because I stayed with my grandmother when I started. So my mom really didn't know. So I mean, she really didn't know. So it started like with it, and it was just like, man, he actually good at good at this. So just being on the phone with her and seeing her over them visits was just heartbreaking because she was crying, and she was just like, Chavis. I warned you about this. So, all right. So, you get through it. You get out, and you come play football for Manassas. Right. And we meet. I never forget. Um, I got out, and I had checked my MySpace page, and Big Robert, Robert Williams, he uh, inboxed me on MySpace and was like, "Man, whatever, wherever you at, Coach Bill looking for you." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the last time I saw you was on a football field at Booker T. Washington, right. and then you vanished for a year and a half. Right. So when I got out, I checked my page, and Big Robert inboxed me and was like, "Coach Bill looking for you." And with me, my whole family went to Manassas. Like my dad went to Manassas, my mom, my grandma. Your mom played ball. I mean, yeah. basketball. Yeah, she was. Yeah, my mom went to got a, My mom actually went to college from Manassas. Uh, it was called Shelby State back then. Yeah, there's so, a community college. Community in Memphis, college, right, but they had a good girls basketball program. Right, and I think my mom used like average like 22 rebounds a game. Yeah, she was good. Like <laughs> yeah, I think she could still rebound if you ever see it. <laughs> Put those elbows on you, box your butt out. <laughs> but um. I tried to get in Manassas, but for some reason, I was like, I couldn't, because it was so late in the school year, I think it was like the end of 10th grade year. So they wouldn't allow me to register in Manassas, so I had to go to um, Kingsbury. Kingsbury was the only school that accepted me, but I reached out to um, you, Coach, and whatever you said to Dr. Williams, she let me at the school like the <laughs> next day. So that's how I got back to Manassas. So on the first day, I got back to Manassas. Like, it was already, like, the camera crew was there. And it was just, like, from there, but it was just crazy. Well, Chavis. I had to get back to Manassas. I I had to graduate from Manassas High School. I got to tell you something, though. The guy that left was a curious, pretty respectful, but edgy kid. And the guy that came back, the, the Chavis that came back that I first met was angry. Yes, sir. I agree. Do you admit that? Yes, sir. Absolutely. What were you angry about? I was just, I, I, I'm, I've always been kind of like a self-centered person sometimes. And then most of the stuff I was used to get angry about is because I probably wasn't getting what I wanted. Something wasn't going my way. So I kind of feel like I was kind of, that, that made me angry. And I, I did want to have a relationship with my dad as well. And I kind of feel like not being able to conquer that made me kind of angry a little bit. Besides that, I kind of think it was just like, I don't know, I just had high emotions. I've always been a kid or a person that wore my heart on my sleeve, I think. That's fair enough. So this angry Chavis shows up, and you just alluded to the cameras were already there. And for for those of (laughs) who don't know what we're talking about, um, some guys showed up 
that were 28, 29, and 29 years old with two borrowed cameras and said they were going to make a documentary about our football season. And these guys collectively had one credit to their name, which was a documentary on the World Series of Beer Pong. Right. And so these guys are going to make a movie, and none of us think it means nothing. But we thought, hey, it's cool. Maybe we'll get a CD of our season together. And um, these folks followed us around and made a movie that was then titled Undefeated and ended up winning the Academy Award, right. which is crazy. Yeah, that was just, it was just <laughs> crazy. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, but what that movie chronicles is the season – that ensued after you came back from prison and the season that was OC and, and money and TOs and that whole group of kids from, uh, humans junior high, their senior year, which is your junior year. And, and the work we did to try to be good at football, but be better people and make the playoffs. And I'm not going to spoiler alert here. You'll have to watch the movie to find out how it ended, but there's a, a lot of time we spent together that year, Chavis, yes, and you messing up and you getting right and messing up and getting right. <laughs> and through it all, I think, um, I think, uh, I think I fell in love with you. Um, and I want to know what changed for you in your mind. Right. People can see it on screen, right. but I want to know in your mind. Not not what the screen says, but the angry Chavis I first encountered that summer practice to the Chavis that I ended the season with, what changed inside you? Um, like I said, I, I kind of feel like I was always like a self-centered kid and I always had things my way. But just to be a part of something that was truly like bigger than myself was my top motivation. Also, like I said, I had a current mother and I had teammates that I really cared about and I really I really wanted to be there for um for my teammates. Also, I just I had to set goals for myself. Um like like you said, I ain't gonna spoil alert, but if you watch the documentary, like you'll see me coming across the screen with my pants sagging, all type of just crazy stuff. And I said small like it, and I always knew that um, kind of even the small steps m- still move forward. So I said small goals for myself. Like one was to just present myself better, which means buy myself a belt, make sure my pants pulled up at all times. And those type of goals created the bigger picture for me. Um, I also, uh, I really cared about you too as well, Coach. Like I know you really cared about us, and it wasn't even just about football for you. So, and then, like, really, like, we never, we re- we really never had coaches that really showed us that we cared. They just want to use us for our talent. But you really came around and showed us that, like, football, we want to win games, but in reality, we just want to, we really want to win in life. And that alone is a, was worth more than anything to me, just to, because people, in reality, like, I didn't really even care about if Coach Bill really knew football. But I really knew Coach Bill really cared about us all, despite what anybody ever said. I knew for a fact that you were in it because, like, you wanted to make a difference. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about anything, guess or not. And I knew that. And I feel like the only person 
in those years that I was in Manassas that could really like get through me by just like, and you always was yourself. So that alone made me want to stay in Manassas and like get better and get back a part of the team, of the collective. And also, it was so crazy that I really wanted to be like it was something special. I knew it was special. Like I never, I never thought it would have went to the to those heights, but it was just an unbelievable opportunity to put some other things before my own personal wants and needs, and I wanted to be a part of it because I knew it was bigger than just me. So if I hear all of that, which by the way is humbling to listen to and chokes me up because you know how much I love you and care Sex. about you. But to hear you say those things is pretty special to me. But if I hear, if I could put a word on what I just heard you say, it sounds like you got humility. Yes, well, I, I gained it. And I feel like this one, there was one of my favorite words in the dictionary when I was in Wilder. I heard two words my whole time I was in Wilder, and it was narcissistic and humility. Which are but you can't be both. You're right. You can't be both. You got you got to choose one. And I kind of rode the fence for a long time, and had to realize that most of the situations that I created, like I created those situations. So, so you didn't catch a charge; you earned it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I earned it. Matter of fact, I I won't say that, but yeah, I earned it because you can't be a street person and you can't be a football player at the same time. You got to distinguish between which one you want to be. And at that moment, I, I didn't choose being a football player. I wanted to be in the streets, and I got what I earned, like you said. But your your time your time finding some humility right. and your time being part of something bigger than yourself that wasn't a gang. Right. We were kind of were a gang, but it was different. It was a, a different gang. gang. <laughs> positive gang, yeah. But it, it did it did change you. Right. Um, and I watched this impetuous kid with a lot of anger and a lot of edge, um, go off to Lane College and come back to Memphis. And when he came back to Memphis, you did some things that I want to talk to you about, because that's what our listeners need to understand. The reason you're an army of normal folks is not because of a movie. It is not because of the Oscars and it is not because you were a great football player which you were. It's about what you did when you get back. But to set the stage for this, I want to read some demographics. Um, this comes from a, a website, um, uh, the Oasis of Hope, which you know, right. is from Hope Presbyterian Church out in Cordova, which right. is in East East Memphis. Um, but they do a lot of outreach work in North Memphis. Right. I've, and I've partnered with, the, partnered with them so many times. Many times. Many hey, times. They, they fed us, right. if you remember. They and fed they our st- football team. And they fed the North Memphis Dillers as well. So they, I got you. Okay. Well, so this is off their website. And for the listeners to fully understand, you, you know, the inner cities of Baltimore and Detroit and East St. Louis and Memphis and other places get sensationalized a lot. And so – between TV shows and movies and stuff you read on TV and stuff you see on the news and all of that, people, you know, what's real, what's not? Well, here are some data facts about North Memphis, which is where you grew up. Right. 
Of the families with children under five years old, 83.4% live below the poverty level. 83%. of the homes are valued at less than $50,000, and only 23% of the people actually own their home. More than 75% of the residents rent, and half of those renters pay less than $300 a month. More than 50% of adults do not have a vehicle. Only 43% of the adults have a high school diploma or a GED. Only 1.3% have a bachelor's degree. Unemployment rate is roughly 36%. Roughly 50% of the community is under the age of 25 years old. Only 12.5% of the households consist of a married couple. 21% of the homes list the grandparent as being head of the household. And the most stark demographic is a 21-year-old male is three times more likely to be dead or incarcerated than he is to have a job. That's North Memphis. So an 18-year-old young man graduating from Manassas High School is three times more likely to be in jail or dead by the time he turns 21 than is to have a job. That's North Memphis. That's where Chavis came from. That's where your teammates came from. And that's where I coached learning the hearts and minds of these young men for seven years. Um, Chavis, at last count, Seven kids I coached at Manassas are now dead. Buki, Chris, Madison, I mean, we can name them all. And I can think of six that are in jail right now. Um, These are your friends. These are your right. teammates. Right. These are the boys you grew up with. These right. are some of the boys that were also joining gangs when they were 14. They're also the kids that got right on a football field and – changed a, a school's culture and attitude. Like everybody you just nine was superstars. Like superstars the, in their community. Like on the football field and in the community, like very important individuals like uh Joshua Summers and uh Who's Chris, passed. Yeah, you know, RP or R. P. Uh, Virginia, that's what we used to call him. Because he was from Virginia. Right. Right. And um we had really, Boogie, we Boogie. had really, we had really, really impressive nine, nicknames. Right. <laughs> yeah. If you're from Virginia, you're Virginia. If, if you're from, from Florida, Florida, you're Florida. You're Florida. <laughs> right. We had a Virginia, we had a Florida. And like literally everybody you name, phenomenal talents. Like, supposed to, like we, 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 we know how many people, you, it's, it's so common for us to say what we could have did and. Should have. Or should have oh, back did. in the day. Right. All and, that back in the day. And all those guys literally changed, like they the like I, like I always tell people, I was just blessed to even be profiled in the movie. Like, there's so many guys came before me, and I don't even like I always tell people I don't even know how they chose me, but they chose me, and I was just thankful. They for needed that. someone really ugly. Well, I think I was the most handsome one though. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> but man, and it was just crazy that. All those guys play a huge part in my in my life too. Um, like if you see me, I, I got a body full of tattoos, and the first two people I 
went and got my tattoos with were um Wooty and uh, Josh. And who? And Josh. Virginia? Yeah. Who's Virginia. now who's now passed away. Right. And And passed away at twenty seven. Uh twenty eight. Twenty eight. Twenty nine. I think he's twenty nine. Before he was thirty. Okay, yeah, before he I think he was just about to turn thirty. He was about to turn thirty, so Man, hey, hey Chavis, let's let's count the guys you played with. We don't have to name their names, gotcha. but how many of them are in jail? Mm. I don't think people know who Pedro is, so I can say Pedro. Um, Pedro, <laughs> I forgot he's called yeah, Pedro. Pedro, for sure five. And how many are dead? Four, for sure that I know. Like that's nine I, guys. That's nine. Nine that's, guys. That's a lot. Before they're 30. Before they were 30. I yeah. locked up or dead. Right. And I know one who got shot over here off Chelsea three, four months ago. Right. And died. Yeah. After being in jail. Right. And these are kids that were part of a football team where we talked about character and commitment and integrity. And they bought into that. Right. But when they left that football team, the streets got them back. Right. Because... It's like it seems like it all after we graduated, just like would now. Especially if you didn't take schools serious or you weren't good enough to get an offer from a college. On that on signing day, it was just probably in April, right? Signing yep. day is always in April. So when April come around and you got a twelve on the ACT and your grade point average of one point eight or one point something you ain't do what you're supposed to do so now is now it's the real world now you go from being a bright-eyed young boy <laughs> right. to a grown man concerned. no prospects right and you're concerned about and and like right now i see it every day like just being working at manassas lately like knowing and seeing kids that just graduated last year they come to every game they have they got nothing else to they do. don't got nothing else to do so it's just like and they great football players great athletes and at the end of that senior year, it's like, what now? And it all boils down to we can point out and we can blame whoever we want to blame about why we do certain things. We can say our dad went in the home is the reason why we did this. We can make any type of excuses, but at the end of the day, we make our own decisions. And whether we accept responsibility for, the, for those decisions or not, it's on us. And like I said, a lot of people... And then don't get me wrong, a lot of our teammates got opportunities to go play college football, but they didn't take advantage of it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm one of them. So that's why I kind of feel like I came back to um, North Memphis to stop the cycle of just making it so far when we all got so much potential. It, they all they, they say there there's nothing more common than us unsuccessful man with talent and like and, and like this true that's true it's always what we could have did or what we should have did or what we would have did but when it gets to the 12th grade year and you ain't got you you didn't take take it all serious and you ain't really live by having character and humility and putting other things before yourself it always boil down to what you didn't do and not about who 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 did do it? So, so you ain't blaming 
none of this on society. No, no, because at the end of the day, I don't care what, what what kind of excuses you make. We make our own decisions at the at, at the end of the day. If you guys listen to this, don't understand why I love Chavis Daniels. You just need to hear what you just heard. This is a kid who grew up. I gave you the demographics. That's where he grew up. Joined the gang at 14 because he was cool, wanted to be part of something special, paid the price, went to jail, came back, figured out he was either going to be a narcissist or have some humility, found humility in his life, and has a perspective that matters. We'll be right back. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. When you came back to North Memphis, with understanding, you may not have been able to recite those demographics, but you <laughs> right. lived them your whole life. You right. know them, you see them, mm-hmm. you feel them. Yeah. Abject poverty and loss, and people talk about when I could have, should have, would have, and it ain't just the 29 years old. There's 30, 40, and oh, 50 yeah. people all Still over the neighborhood right. talking about what I was back in the day while they hold a 40 in a brown bag. I agree. That's, that's it. So you saw all that. Demographics, this, this is facts. That's it. This facts. But you said, I want to make a difference. Yes, sir. So tell me what you did. One thing I, I think I didn't do that I wanted to do was um, I wanted to fin- I wish I would have finished college and uh, got a degree. You know, um, when I first went to Lyon College, it was just about I wanted to be a football player. But I feel like my whole time playing football, everything was always given to me because I was good. 
And when I got to college, it was like, man, you ain't the only one that's good here. Everybody good. And when people battling for those scholarships and stuff like that, is the competition is top tier. You get top tier competition. So when I went to school, it was like I wanted to be a football player, but I went for the wrong reasons, I think. I want the, I had a girlfriend in high school, and I kind of we all went to the same college. And it was like I went to college to follow my girlfriend, kind of. When, when I went, I just, football, I just threw football kind of out the window. I was a true freshman. I started, I think, like week four because I started wheel linebacker had got shot in the club. So it was like the end of he got shot in his You're back. starting Will Linebacker in college, got shot in a club. Yeah, 21 people got shot that night in the club, uh, Club Karma in Jackson, Tennessee. 21 people shot. I think two people got killed that night. So I started Will Linebacker, got shot, and didn't the next day I was on starting. My first game was against Clark Atlanta. That was the first day I started. And one day – I miss weights. I never forget. I miss weights like two, three times. And it was about me just not being held accountable. I thought that was just going to get me by in college, but no, sir. The person that was behind me, he was on scholarship. And I think I got dawn patrol for like two weeks straight every day before and after practice. And dawn patrol is when you wake up at dawn at four o'clock in the morning and you got to do cutaways to the whistle stop. You got to burr crawl for. 200 yards and punishment punishment yeah being held accountable for being missing waste and my attitude was so bad that it was just like man stop it i'm not doing this so i went to my dorm room and never came back to practice again so now i was just in school and i'm gonna be honest coach i i really never went to class like that i was smoking weed i was just doing everything the wrong way and then i think i got kicked out um, one year, I had a bullet in my room, and I had, like, residue from weed in my drawer. So I went home one weekend, and they had searched my room. They found it in my room, so I got had a hearing with the school, and I got kicked out. But I had appealed it, and they let me back in because they really didn't have no evidence that it was mine. I tried to finish, and then my mom got sick. So I came home one weekend. I think I wasn't coming home for like two, three weeks. And I finally came home one weekend. And I came home. And it was a Friday night. So Saturday morning I woke up. And I just heard my mom like, Chavis, Chavis, Chavis. But in a lower tone. So I walked down the steps. And seen my mom just laying on the steps. Like pale. Uh, palms of her hand was cold. And she was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And like my mom, if you know my mom, my mom is probably the funnest person. Like she always, she's the life of the party. And it was just different. This early morning, she was like, I need to go to the hospital right now. She had to get eight blood transfusions. And I told myself, like, she going through this and she been through everything with me. I'm dedicated to um, making sure that my mom going to be okay. So. I left school again, and I started working at Kroger. And I always told myself, I know I'm bigger than this. Like, people used to come in Kroger and see me and be like, oh, you was in that movie or whatever. And I was like, man, I know I'm bigger than this. I know I'm supposed to be doing working in the dairy department at Kroger. So um, 
one day, like down the line, I think my mom. And by the way, guys, my mom is um ten years and rem- eleven years in remission of uh gastrointestinal cancer. Yeah, she almost died. Yeah, she was in her fourth stage of gastrointestinal cancer, and right now my mom is ele- eleven years in remission. So like, I know there is a God. Seeing it just strengthened my faith so much, and just knowing that. Like you can overcome all of this and still go back to school and get a master's degree, and which she did. Yeah, my mom did all of this, and now she has her own catering company, t-shirt company, and just bliss. And she, so one day I went to her job and I seen a need in North Memphis. I wish I had a person like me growing up, somebody that can um actually like relate to what we grew up going through. Like we, and I know that from being a football player from when I was like six years old to college that people go through stuff outside of football field. And sometimes the football field is like a sanctuary to people. So um, I went to my mom's job one day and was just telling her, I want to do something in North Memphis that nobody's doing, but I want to do it through sports. So I brought the idea to her and she was like, the only way that I'll be a part of this is if um, school first is the motto. School first. School first is the motto. So before I um start researching on what to do next, that she was like, the only way I'll help you is if you show me a plan. So I went, found some templates to, <laughs> to make flyers and <laughs> start making flyers and start um, figuring out ways to get kids, start going to every neighborhood, dropping flyers off. And I told myself that I always start stuff and don't finish it. And I told myself, like, I want to do something that I commit myself to and serve other people. And I'm going to be honest, I, I ain't going to lie like I was just a, perfect coach especially when it came to X's and O's but I, I just wanted to teach kids what I learned on my journey and a lot of the stuff that I went by was stuff that you taught us character integrity being able to put the group before yourself like that was the same thing that I teach these kids I teach them about holding yourself accountable Holding your teammates accountable. Because at the end of the day, you either do or you don't. And you gotta have hard. You got like it's cool, you ain't gotta be tough all the time, but you gotta you gotta have some hard though. Like most of the stuff that you taught, I use the same recipe and out of these seven years I've been working with kids. So here's the deal. You start the North Memphis Steelers. Right. And I know it's been seven years, but it went from one team to how many teams? Um, so now nah, we start we got, we started off with four age groups. So it was like the five and six year olds, which is six U. Then you had the eight U, which is seven and eight year olds. You had the ten U, which is nine and ten year olds, and you had the twelve U, which was eleven and twelve year olds. So four but then age you group. also decided, well, there's more than just boys in this community, right? So we did cheerleaders and dance team which my sister <laughs> and my auntie were the coaches of. So there's this void of youth engagement. Right. You see it. You start four 
football teams. Right, and it was like 25 kids on each age group. So. And four cheerleading teams. And like 20 cheerleaders. And 20 cheerleaders. So you go from nothing to 125 kids. Right. So, and you call this organization the... North Memphis Steelers. North Memphis Steelers. Right. And Youth and Mentoringship Program. Right. Not football team. No. But the Youth and Mentoringship Program. Right. We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Well, so the first game... You kept saying, Coach, you got to come watch. You got to yeah. come watch. So, I never forget out one of our first scrimmages, you and Max came, right? Yeah, yeah Max, you Max, my youngest son. Um, y'all came, and I feel like there was, and I, I think I told somebody this before, I think it was one of my um, greatest coaching moments for, to um, see you on the sideline with your son, just to support with. Because, you know, a lot of people say that Coach Bill was a turkey person. And obviously, it's like 12, 13 years later, and, You've always just been one phone call away. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Chavis, I've always been a phone call away. Right. And I'll always be a phone call away. But um, that's not why I asked you about that, really. Yeah, you asked me about, um, you said one of my greatest coaching moments was about seeing you on the sideline with Max. Well, yeah, but one of my fondest things was when I looked out on that field and you were coaching your sons and y'all had your things going and everything else. But the assistant coaches all over the place and who they were. Teammates, old teammates. All old Manassas teammates. teammates. Right. So not only did the North Memphis Steelers start mentoring kids six through twelve years old, both male and female. Right. But you went out to your former teammates from right. Manassas 
and gave them a sense of purpose right. to coach other ages and assistant coaches. Right. And like I said, I got I want to get my friends who needed an avenue to something better or positive. And pretty good football players at that. Also, uh, dads. We don't talk about the good dads enough. And we was giving dads who just got out of jail for 12 years and stuff like opportunities to come and make up for all the time that you lost. With your child. With your child. And it was just like we had guys that just literally got out the penitentiary that came and was 100% supportive. And no organization in the city had more dads on the sideline than them. My son went to get his driver's license renewed. And the lady sitting at the computer at the DMV was talking to him, and she had on it a, a pause. What she was watching, she paused while she helped Max get his driver's license. Mm-hmm. And Max looked over, and it was a kid with a North Memphis Steelers jersey on. <laughs> right. And Max looked over and said, oh, the North Memphis Steelers. And she looked at him and said, boy, what you know about that? <laughs> and he said, because I basically grew up with Chavis. Basically. And she said, you grew up with Jameis. Right. <laughs> but in reality, that is true. Here's Lily White, little blonde-haired Max, <laughs> and Jameis, and she couldn't even put it together. But the point was, everywhere you go, somebody knows talking. something about the North Memphis Steelers right. now, which came from scratch. Scratch. And the point is, there wasn't an organization that you could call and become a part of. No. Nobody handed you a pamphlet on how to create a 501c3. No. Nobody gave you a business plan on how you create four youth teams that get ranked nationally and cheer teams and dance squads. Nobody told you how to go get all the equipment, which most of these kids' families cannot pay for. Nobody told you how to get the jerseys. What you did was you saw a need and you figured it out. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you made mistakes along the way. Right. But you did it. And the entire time... Your motto was school first. School first. Every uniform we had this that was on the And you made kids get a certain GPA to be able to participate. Oh, yeah, now, different. they had to come to practice staying in street clothes, but as long as they had a GPA, they could play. If they didn't, they're still part of the team, but they couldn't Can't participate until right. they got the GPA up, Exactly, right? yeah. School first. School first. Yeah. And, and you did this because you saw a need and filled it. Right. An ordinary guy who's been through his own struggles and all his own problems who found his humility and that decided he wanted to give back. Right. And there's no template for it. No. So let me ask something. Couldn't anybody in any city of this country, if they just decided they wanted to have the heart and passion for a disadvantaged community, you've done it. Can other people do it? Right. And most definitely. And to me, those whole seven years, it felt like we were just pouring from an empty cup. Man, and like we really didn't have money like that, but for those kids, we literally like. I'm I've always been a person where I'm kind of like I never wanted to stand on the corner and ask for donations, but I humble myself to whatever was gonna help these kids look nice with their uniforms. Uh, we had like five different uniforms. We had like no team travel more than us, and we did it all off the love. We want it wasn't about money. Because most of the time, I'm being honest, like a lot of the for like five years straight, the first two years were the only two years that kids actually paid to play. And most of the times they couldn't even pay. They were just paying something. And 
you know, it's a lot of organizations out here that if you, if you don't play, your kid really can't play. Your kid don't receive a uniform, but we had really nice uniforms. And we had 145 kids. That's a lot of kids to deal with every day. <laughs> Especially fifth, six, seven. It's five, six, seven, eight. So kindergarten is like, yeah, so yeah, kindergarten. On you. Yeah, so my son started at five. And my son was like, he a lovable kid. Everybody loves him. So he always wanted to play with his friends, but his friends were the people that really were just underprivileged and really couldn't afford the stuff. So his friends not playing would hurt him. So it definitely wouldn't be about the money because, like, you went out and raised it. We get out and raise it. People send donations. Like Valerie Calhoun helped us a lot by putting us putting us Valerie on the Calhoun's news. Valerie Calhoun's a local news right. Anchor. Yeah, the lo- she helped us out by putting us on a great platform to to show people like that. Everybody in the city ain't doing bad. Like, so actually, people out here trying. So let me ask something. As you're thinking about the work you're doing with these kids, did you ever flash back to your former teammates who are in jail or dead and think the real reason I'm doing this is try to keep this group of North Memphis kids out of the demographics that we read early? Right. And honestly, Coach, all the best players are the sons of former Manassas Tigers. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. Kids I coached. Their kids right. now play for you with the North Memphis Steelers, and, and some of their daddies are dead and in jail. Right. And these kids are the nationally ranked kids. So imagine my son on the team with Kendall's son and Jartavis Rogers and Dre Fife and all those guys. These kids are unbelievable. Dre Fife has a son? Yes. I can't believe he found a woman to even be around Man. him. <laughs> <laughs> but DeAndre Fife. Yes. Like, and these guys' sons are big-time players. Nationally ranked, been around the nation to play the top teams, the top supposed to My be former players at Manassas, kids who you now coach. Right now. Right. And and Jartavis Rogers. Who? Jartavis Rogers. <laughs> All their sons are crazy good. <laughs> crazy good. And as you're coaching these kids, at the same time, so many of the people that you played ball with are locked up or dead. Right. And it seems to me you're trying to be the barrier between sons and fathers from right. repeating – Um. A life of sorrow. Right. And I'm be uh, just honestly, coach, I just want to be um, what you were to us. This is what, what I want. This is what I, my um, main thing is trying to be. Like, I know I'll never be who you were, but you did a lot for a lot of people. And that's what I seek out to do. Just serve other people. That's it. I ain't, I'm, I'm not Chambers. looking for Man. I ain't looking for You're going to make an old man cry when you say stuff like I'm that. I'm for real, though. I'm just being honest. And like I said, it's not about money because I've learned over these seven years that um, when you're doing good, people are gonna notice and they gonna people will help you, especially if you're doing it the right way. Well, that concludes part one of our conversation with Chavis Daniels, and I hope you'll listen to part two that's now available. Chavis will tell us about his new endeavor to help our hometown, Memphis, Tennessee. I look forward to seeing you in part two.
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.